We have a couple of Bible readings now, so if you'd like to follow in your Bibles, the first one is from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, I'll be reading from verses 1 to the end of verse 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And if you turn, keep turning to the right in your Bibles, to the book of Romans, going across to Romans chapter 8, and picking up the reading from verse 35. Some well-known verses. And Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Now time to give thanks for our offerings. I'd like to take your Bibles again. Please and turn with me to John chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 10 reading verses 22 to verse 30 and concentrating for the sermon on verses 27, 28 and 29. John chapter 10, reading from verse 22. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. Then the Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So ask the Lord to bless our time around his word. Father, we give you thanks and praise that your word does not change, Lord, because you do not change. We thank you for the wonderful promises that we find therein to encourage us, Lord, in our faith. And I pray today, Lord, that our faith will be strengthened, that our walk with you will be closer and that you will be glorified in all ways. 
We pray this now for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. 1969 was a momentous year. Man landed and walked on the moon. Back here on planet Earth, 1969 was a slightly less momentous year for Barry Swan. I went water skiing for the first time in my life, and some of you here can relate to this story. Now, much to my surprise, and much to everybody else's surprise, and in a way that I've got no idea what happened, I managed to get up and ski first time round. I went up, got up, skied for a good minute, came all the way round, glided in, and that was it. Didn't touch it after that. Fast forward 30 years, 1999. Location, Lake Jindabyne in the Snowy Mountain region of New South Wales. Occasion, church camp. One of the families brought their boat and invited anyone who wished to to give water skiing a try. I said, I've got this. So the lake's pretty cold, I didn't have, didn't have a wetsuit, but I got kitted up and off we went. But the problem was, things had changed in 30 years. And no matter how hard I tried, I could not get up on those skis. Now I can be a little stubborn at times, I must admit, and I don't like to be beaten. So I kept trying. I was half drowned, turning blue with cold, swallowed a good portion of the lake, watch it go down, but no go. I had less than 12, but more than six attempts. I can't remember the exact number. Finally, I admitted defeat, and in the middle of the lake, I was dragged out of the water and into the boat. To add insult to injury, one of our very clever young men down there had photographed the whole sad saga. So he put it a series of very unflattering photos on the notice board for all to see. And above them he wrote these words, Barry, who's given new meaning to the phrase, the perseverance of the saints. <laughs> now look, I relate this story for a reason. You see, I was sure I could ski. I skied once, I had it under control. So this time, although I persevered and persevered, I failed to reach my goal. I could not get up on those skis. It didn't matter how much I pushed, how much I persevered. I couldn't ski. I didn't make it. My perseverance didn't pay off. So I just sat in the water, slowly drowning. Now look, all of us here this morning, we're aware that in physical or material things, we sometimes perseverance doesn't work out. And so the question then arises, does the same apply to our Christian life? Does our salvation fall into this category? Because you see, this idea of perseverance troubles many, many Christians. Not so much their physical perseverance, but their spiritual perseverance. So, you know, can we guarantee that we'll make it through to the end, to be with Jesus forever? Can I be secure in my salvation? So over the years, these are the words that I hear, I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure I'll persevere in my faith. I mean, am I secure in Jesus? How can I be sure? 
Well, this morning, I'm going to tell you how. Through good, sound theology coming from God's word. Because God's word has some very comforting and encouraging verses about our perseverance, our security as followers of Jesus. Now, in theological terms, we call them the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or the doctrine of the eternal security of a Christian. And this is what the Bible teaches. True believers, real, genuine Christians, will persevere in our faith to the end of our lives. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what we might have to face. Nothing changes this truth. God will never lose us or let us perish. And I want to look at these verses in John 10, 27-28 to expound this truth further. So let's see what we can find, shall we, as we delve into, into God's word. Statement number one, verse 27. Jesus says, my people are my sheep. He says, my sheep listen to or can be translated here, my voice and I know them. Now earlier on in John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And by using this expression, he brings out one of the most precious truths of salvation. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd par excellence, the best shepherd, the great shepherd. And these people, Christians, are my sheep. And I'm personally responsible for each one. I'll take care of each one. That is all implied in the term, the good shepherd. So to suggest Jesus will lose any of his sheep is to say the good shepherd can't do his job. Fancy suggesting Jesus can't do his job. But wait a minute. Can't the sheep wander away from the shepherd? Certainly can. Sheep can be very, very stupid. In fact, every shepherd knows a large part of his job is to reclaim lost sheep. But if Jesus is the true shepherd, and he is, he must seek them out. You read from Luke 15, those verses 1 to 7, the parable of the lost sheep. And amongst other things, the foundational truth is in that parable that the shepherd goes after his own sheep until he finds them. And Jesus makes no mistake about which sheep are his. He says, I know them, and we listen to or we hear his voice. Now this morning I can thank God because I know that he's pledged to keep me. I know this because I know I'm one of his sheep. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you can know this as well. God's word positively assures you of your salvation. You've only got to look through the first letter of John to see how many times John uses the words and says, we know, referring to possessing eternal life. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he climaxes it all with this statement. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that is Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. As Christians, we will persevere. We are secure in Jesus. And if you don't have this assurance today, now's the time to really think about this and to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. 
My people are my sheep. Statement number two. Jesus says in the second part of verse 27, my sheep follow me and they follow me. And here we have an unqualified statement of an all-important truth that we who belong to Jesus recognise our true shepherd. We follow him, every single one of us. There can be no exceptions to Jesus' unqualified statement. Well, hang on. What about Fred? Fred has said, I'm a Christian. He started off really well, then he drifted off into sin, and he stayed like that until he died. What about Fred? Jesus' answer, as I understand this statement, is if Fred doesn't follow, he wasn't a believer in the first place. You see, Jesus doesn't say my sheep ought to follow me. He says plainly, they do. You know, the Bible also tells us that if anyone is in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. The Bible also tells us that we'll never be absolutely perfect in this life. We still have our two natures, the old nature and the new nature. But our new nature is obedient and loves to serve the Lord. And whenever the old nature brings sin into your life, don't you realise there's always immediate conflict? We know something's wrong. I repeat, as Christians, we're never free of sin in this life. But every truly born-again person, every Christian, follows the shepherd. And if the sheep follow the shepherd, there's only one place we can possibly end up, and that's where he is. Jesus said, my sheep, follow me. We will persevere We are secure in Jesus. Statement number three, verse 28. Jesus says, My sheep receive eternal life. I give them eternal life. And this is really important. Eternal life begins as soon as we become Christians. To say that eternal life ends is a contradiction in terms. Eternal means no end. So if I can be saved today and lost tomorrow, I don't have eternal life, by definition. I mean, if I buy a ticket to fly a sail from Devonport to Melbourne, I do expect my ticket to take me the whole way. I don't expect to be tossed out of the plane or ferry halfway there. But sadly, so many Christians that I've spoken to over the years, they think this is what can happen to them on their journey to heaven. It's like they're booked a ticket to heaven, but they're worried about being tossed out of the plane or the ferry part way. Jesus' ticket says eternal life. This is Jesus' guarantee. His ticket says salvation forever. This means every true Christian, if you like, will journey all the way to the heavenly landing place. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. And there's plenty at the moment happening around us. We will persevere. We are secure in Jesus. Again, the important question for you to answer this morning is, do you have eternal life? And you can have it. You receive it by faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Statement number four, still on verse 28. Jesus says eternal life is my 
gift. He says, I give them eternal life. And I think this is one truth that we often overlook. You see, salvation isn't a matter of us cooperating with God. It's entirely God's work. A Christian isn't someone who does something for God. A Christian is someone in whom God has done something, in whom he's worked his miracle of grace. Salvation is all of grace through faith in Jesus, atoning death for sin at Calvary. And we get it by receiving it. And Jesus calls it a gift because we don't deserve it and we can't earn it. If we deserved it, it would be a reward. If we earned it, it would be wages. So because we neither deserve nor earn salvation, because it's God's gift to his people, we can't somehow unearn it or lose it. I'll say it again. Salvation doesn't depend one bit on what we've done. It depends on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It always comes back to the cross. And God is not the sort of God who gives you a gift on Tuesday and takes it away on Wednesday morning. God doesn't work like that. God does not withdraw his gift from his people. So we will persevere. We are secure in Jesus. Statement number five. Underline it. My sheep shall never perish, in verse 28, and they shall never perish. To perish is to be separated from God's goodness, his life and blessing forever. It means to go to hell. It's the opposite of being saved. And this guarantee, they shall never perish, holds firm from the moment we're converted. If there were any circumstances where we could perish, Jesus would have told us. But Jesus says they, believers, shall never perish. It's a statement with no strings attached. Jesus doesn't say they shall never perish unless. He says they shall never perish. So if we say it's possible to be saved and then to be unsaved, we mightn't realise it, but we're calling God a liar because God is saying here, it can't happen. Okay, just a minute there, Barry. Christians fall into sin. Yes, that's true. The Lord's children, we can backslide. Sheep can go a-wandering. They can stray from the shepherd. They can get into all kinds of strife. The Bible doesn't say we never fall into sin. Noah got dreadfully drunk. Jacob deceived his father Isaac. Jonah disobeyed God. David committed adultery and murder. Peter denied his Lord three times with an oath. The apostles all deserted Jesus in the garden. And Paul and Barnabas had such sharp words, they parted company. And these and many other examples prove Christians can and do fall into sin. Understand this, a sheep can become a wandering sheep, but a sheep can't become a goat. A sheep cannot become an unbeliever. 
Believers will never fall into sin totally, finally and completely. They shall never perish. And if you're a Christian who's fallen into sin, then God will lead you to repent and you renew your walk with God. Let me put it like this. During winter, many trees don't have leaves or bear fruit. Yet we don't go and pull them out because we know there's life in the roots, except that they're in my garden. But as Christians, sometimes we might be like a tree in winter. We might be going through a really hard time. We might feel that God doesn't love us anymore or that we don't love God. All might look black around us and we can't see any light shining through and we are really wandering away. So we don't show any leaves or fruit for a time, but there's still life in the roots. As the psalmist says in Psalm 37, though he stumble, he will not fall. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Jesus says they shall never perish. Now I praise God for Jesus' words. Because if I'm saved today, but unsaved tomorrow, I've got no peace, I've got no assurance, I've got no security. And the gospel that preaches such an insecure position isn't good news, it's bad views. That's what the gospel like that is. Now I can't speak for you, but I love to know today the Lord has pardoned my sin. And I'd also love to know that he's guaranteed my eternal future. Some years ago I received an email from a dear elderly saint in the States. I've kept it. And Ted wrote these words. He said, Barry, I'm dying. I'll probably be dead by the fall. That is the autumn. I'm so looking forward to seeing Jesus. A secure sheep. The same security we all should have. Jesus says, they shall never perish. Never is a long, long time. But it's no longer than God's grace will last. Yes, as Christians we will persevere. We are secure in Jesus. Statement number six, verse 28. Jesus says, no one can snatch my sheep out of my hand. Seriously? Really? What about the arch enemy, Satan? He's prowling around looking for Christians to devour. And boy, doesn't he know how to time his temptations. Just when you're at your very lowest ebb, Satan comes in and he has a field day. He never stops trying to set traps for us. And what about Satan? He can bother, tease and annoy Christians immensely. But he can't snatch us. He can't destroy us. The good shepherd holds us securely in his hand and these hands were pierced with nails for all the sins of every believer, past, present and future. Our Lord Jesus Christ paid too high a price for our sins to ever let us go. It's his hold on us that really counts. No one or nothing can snatch them out of my hands. We will persevere. We are secure in Christ. And then the final statement, verse 29. Jesus says, The Father protects his gift to the Son. My Father, he says, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
Now, I wonder as you sit here this morning, do you really understand what a precious truth this is to all God's sheep? Because in these words, we see God's care and we see God's power. You think about God's care. If you're a Christian, you're a gift from God the Father to God the Son. You're a gift. You're priceless in Jesus' eyes because the Father gave you to him. God chose you in Jesus before the foundation of the world. That's how much God cares for you. Now I ask you honestly this morning, do you really ever think of yourself like that? Or do you say, nah, I'm nothing. Well, I'm just one Christian in a million, or ten million, or a hundred million. Well, yes, you are. You are one Christian in a million, or ten million, or a hundred million. You're a sheep of particular value, such value, that no other sheep can have. And God's gift to his son isn't complete without you being part of it. It's a wonderful truth, God's care. Now look at God's power. I'll put it like this. God's children are lying in Jesus' hand. And we're secure right there. Jesus says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. But then what does the Father do? He puts his hand over Jesus' hand. Now you're inside two hands. And no man is able to snatch them out of my hand. Father's hand, says Jesus. What incredible security. A double-handed force keeps us safe. So I can say, go for it. Snatch away Satan. Won't do you any good. Satan might be powerful, but God is all-powerful. He is greater than all. What about death? Especially if you die young, more sort of younger than you thought that you might. What happens then? Well, death doesn't snatch us away either. Rather, for Christians, it ushers us into God's presence. As words from Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? No one or nothing. It's impossible. We will persevere. We are secure in Jesus. What's the date today? The 2nd of January, 2022. The first Sunday. Dear people, I don't know what the next half an hour is going to bring. I don't know what the next 30 seconds are going to bring. I haven't got a clue what 2022 will bring. But I do know this. As a Christian, your perseverance and security in your Saviour is a marvellous reality. Remember, it's not your hold on him. It's his hold on you that counts. So enter into the joy of it. We get so weighed down by our daily living, by the uncertainties of life, by the insecurities of life. What can really cheer us up as we look to a very, at times, uncertain future? The best antidote that I know is to know God's people will persevere to the end. God will keep us. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. As Jesus' sheep, 
we will persevere. We're eternally secure in him. My response, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, really, there's not much more to be said, is there? Your word says it all. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the wonderful promises that we find in the scriptures. And I thank you, Lord, that as Christians we don't live on explanations. We live by your promises. We thank you that they find their yea and their amen in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We thank you for these promises found in these words and pray they will indeed encourage us in our faith and bring us to a closer walk with Jesus. We pray this now for his sake and in his name. Amen.